Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. There's no time to travel to a vacation spot to get distracted. With the stir in our soul, we know we have to do exactly what Jacob did. With the stir in our soul, Jacob knows what he must do. Jacob knows he must seek God alone and be alone with God. So at the end of verse 23, when it says he sent over all that he had, it means that Jacob sent over his family, all the people, everyone, and everything that he had over the river so he can seek God alone and be alone with God. He stays back to seek God alone and be alone with God to pray. And just like Jacob, We need to do the same when our soul is stirred and we can't sleep. This is the time we need to seek God alone and be with God alone to pray. But Jacob's already prayed. He already prayed. So why does he need to pray again? Because the first time Jacob prayed, he didn't prevail in prayer. There is something called prevailing in prayer. See, the first time Jacob prayed, Jacob did not prevail to abandon self-reliance, to abandon self-dependence, and to embrace God and rely on God and depend on God. And there are times when we pray and we still have no peace and we can't sleep. That's because we haven't prevailed in prayer. We haven't prevailed to abandon self-reliance, self-dependence. We haven't prevailed to embrace God and rely and depend on God. Therefore, these verses are written in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Pray without ceasing. Well, why do I have to keep praying the same thing over and over again? Haven't prevailed. Well, why does Jacob have to pray again? Hasn't prevailed. First Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Luke 18.1. Luke 18.1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. He spake a parable unto them to this end. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. In other words, don't give up. Prevailing prayer is not easy. Prevailing prayer is a fight. It's easy to pray without prevailing. Prevailing prey is a struggle. Prevailing prey is a fight. Prevailing prayer is a wrestle. And that's what we see here. Prevailing prayer takes extra push beyond just saying the right things in prayer. You know, when I think about this extra push, you know, in prevailing prayer, I remember what happened in the 1970s when we taught our boys uh, at homeschool and we had social studies in the homeschool and so we had an American, American, <laughs> we had an American, all the people working for us were American. But anyways, we had an American working for us, and his name was Steve Mello. But he had lived and worked in Japan. So we asked him to come in the house and to talk to our boys about his impressions uh, about living in Japan, and particularly different foods in Japan. What impressed 
you, Steve, about the foods in Japan that's different. So our boys could learn about this, social studies. So he told the story about a particular food in Japan that really impressed him. I've never forgot it. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> like almost 40 years. I never forgot it. It's an illustration of what it means to push in prayer, what it means to prevail in prayer. He told us that he was impressed with one soup in Japan, which has square chunks of tofu in it. And in the tofu are little fish called doja. And so he explained how the little doja fish got punched into the tofu. Okay? He says that live doja fish are placed in this cold broth with the cool pieces of tofu. Then the cold soup is heated up over the fire, and as the fire increases in the broth, the fish get desperate, looking for a cool place of refuge, which is the tofu, so they dart themselves into the tofu. You know about that. <laughs> so uh, the doja fish, doja fish, they illustrate prevailing prayer. Jacob is like the doja fish. Esau is approaching. That's the fire getting hotter. <laughs> and the heat is increasing for Jacob, and so he darts himself into the refuge of God, where he clings to God for a blessing. That's what's necessary in prevailing prayer. You know, God spoke about that in Isaiah 64-7, Isaiah 64-7, when God said, there's none that calleth upon thy name. There's none that calleth upon thy name. Isaiah said this. There's none that calleth upon thy name and stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. You know, act like the doja fish <laughs> to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid us, hid thy face from us, has consumed us because of our iniquities. See, that's what we're going to see here in Jacob. He's going to do in this chapter. He's prayed, but it's not enough. He's returned in prayer. Now he's going to dart himself into God when he throws his arms around God and says, I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. Verse 26, you can almost hear the doja fish saying, I will not leave until you cool me off. <laughs> so Jacob, doja fish, darting himself into God for relief. At the end of verse 23, when it says he sent over that he had, that's a very significant statement because it shows that Jacob has prepared himself to seek God alone. Jacob has separated himself from everyone on earth so that Jacob can seek God alone. Jacob has separated himself from all his possessions, everything on earth, so that Jacob can seek God alone. Now, we come to the most, one of the most amazing verses in all the Bible. It's stated so very clearly. It's stated so very simply. But it's absolutely astounding in verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Okay, looking at verse 24, what are the three statements that are made. What three things do we learn? Information. Information, information, information. First one, he's left alone. Second one, there was a man wrestling with them. Third one, it lasted all night until dawn. So the first statement in verse 24 was that Jacob was left alone. See, at the end of verse 23, we learn that Jacob sent everyone and, and everything over the river Jabek, and so he's left alone. That's how verse 24 starts. Jacob was left alone. Jacob was left alone. Now picture how you would expect this verse would read. You would expect this verse to read something like this. And Jacob was left alone, and there came a man who wrestled with Jacob. That's not what it says. That's not what the verse says. 
The verse doesn't start with Jacob being alone and then tell us that this man came and found Jacob and started wrestling with him. When you look at this verse 24, just remove the words and there and read it now. Verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, a man with him. What? <laughs> what do you mean he was left alone, a man with him? That's like, my, that's like me saying, and Irene was alone and Jean was with Irene. <laughs> so, okay. So what does that mean if Jean is with Irene, Irene's not alone? And you can't see that. You know, you just can't see that. You know, Irene was alone and Jean was with Irene. But that's how verse 24 is reading. And Jacob was left alone and a man with him. How could Jacob be alone and a man be with him? That's the point. That's the point that's brought out in verse 24. It appeared as though Jacob was left alone, but Jacob was not left alone. It appears to us that we are left alone, but we're never alone. We're not alone. As the Lord Jesus told us in Matthew 28, 20, when he said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. So what the Lord Jesus meant by these words was further explained in Hebrews 13, 5. Hebrews 13, 5, he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Before his coming into the world as a man, his name was given. His name was given with a clear explanation of why we would never be alone. Because it says in Matthew 1, 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, quoting from Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. See, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Now, it appears in that verse that there are two or three, but what he's, what he's saying is that there are not two or three. There are three or four because he's in the middle of the two or three. See, the presence of God was the secret. It was the secret. See, the presence of God is the secret behind Joseph's strength and wisdom. And we're going to come to it. Genesis 39, 2 through 3. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made him, made all that he did to prosper in his hand. See, in Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him mercy, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did, he was a doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. See, what difference does the presence of God make in our lives? Isaiah 41.10 tells us the difference. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. See, that verse, Isaiah 41.10, Isaiah 41.10, tells us the presence of God gives us courage in the place of our fear. It gives us peace in the place of our unrest. It gives us strength in the place of our weakness. It gives us help in the place of our inability. It gives us stability in the place of our insecurity. So right off the bat, verse 24 seems to not make any sense because it starts that Jacob's alone and yet said there's a man there wrestling with him. But the point of verse 24 
is that it appeared to everyone else that Jacob was alone when he wasn't alone. See, Genesis 32-24 is saying that Jacob experienced being left alone, but Jacob was not alone. And this is exactly the same experience that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke of. And then when he said he's going to go through that in John 16-32, John 16-32, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet, I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. See, the Lord Jesus went on to explain why he told them this. Why did you tell us that? Because the next verse in John 16, 33, John 16, 33, he said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. See, that's the same reason we're told these things in Genesis 32, 24, verse 24, Genesis 32. Jacob was left alone and yet was not alone. So by seeing this truth of Jacob being left alone and yet not alone, we should have peace in our world of tribulation. With Laban, who wanted to kill him behind him, and with Esau in front of him, who wanted to kill him, Jacob's in a world of tribulation. And it looked like Jacob was left alone in his world of tribulation, but Jacob could have peace because Jehovah Jesus had overcome murderous Laban in that dream, and Jehovah Jesus will overcome murderous Esau. And you and I live in a world of tribulation where it looks like we're left alone to be destroyed. But in the world of tribulation, we can have peace because the same Jehovah Jesus overcomes those who want to destroy us. Now, in verse 24, Jacob is meeting with God. But before he meets with God, we need to see verses 23 and 24 together in this light that Jacob prepared himself to meet with God. You know, and just pull out the key words of verse 23 and 24. Just kind of read it like this. Verse 23, 24. He took them. He sent them. Jacob was left alone. Jacob took everyone and everything and sent them from him so he'd be left alone. Then he met with God. What are we seeing here? The truth of Proverbs 18.1. Proverbs 18.1. Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth, with all wisdom. See, this verse teaches us that meeting with God is not a float affair. It's not a float into affair. The verse is teaching us that meeting with God is not a case of just waiting till I have this special spiritual feeling that just comes over me. Then I'll meet with God. This verse is teaching us that meeting with God is not decided by God. It's decided by us. This verse is teaching us, I'm talking about Proverbs 18.1. This verse is teaching us that there are three steps to meeting with God. First, There is the strong desire that drives us. Second, there is the very real separation. There is a separation from. There is a separation from what distracts us away from God. And third, there is a very real separation to. There is a separation to God. To not be driven by a strong desire will not result in meeting with God. To not separate us from what distracts us from God, will not result in meeting with God. To be separate from the world and what otherwise would distract us, become a monk, that alone will not result in meeting with God, being separated from. In order for us to meet with God, all three have to happen. We must be fueled by a strong desire to meet with God. We must separate from what distracts us from God. We must separate to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is both a separation from and a separation unto 
and the presence of God with us separates us from other people on earth. And when we meet with God, we'll gain the reputation of being separatist. <laughs> we'll be known as those that don't go with the flow. We'll be known as those that are not part of the crowd, as God said would happen to Israel in Exodus 33.16. Exodus 33.16. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us, presence of God? So shall we be separated I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. God calls us to this separation before we have this life-changing experience of being received by God. That's what he said in 2 Corinthians 6.17. 2 Corinthians 6.17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Why? And I will receive you. The separation is costly, but the gain of being received by God is worth it. It's worth the cost of separation. As he explained in the parable in Matthew 13, 44, Matthew 13, 44, again, the kingdom of God is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Separation to meet with the Father was a habit in the life of the Lord Jesus. We see it over and over again in his history. Matthew 14, 23, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. When evening was come, he was there alone. Mark 1, 35, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out, departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. Mark 6, 46, Mark 6, 46, when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Luke 4, 42, when it was day, he was, when it was day, he departed, went into a desert place. People sought him, came unto him, stayed with him. John 6.15, John 6.15, he departed again himself alone to a mountain. Luke 22.39, Luke 22.39, he came out, went as was his want, his habit, to the Mount of Olives. Luke 6.12, came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. See, meeting with the Father refreshed the Lord Jesus as his desire in life the meat that he chose was to do the will of the Father. And he said that in John 4.34. That was his choice, John 4.34. Jesus saith unto him, my meat, you might as well say, the meat I have chosen is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. See, this is a frame of mind that he had, and that frame of mind should be our goal. As it says in Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, the calling of God also separates us from other works. That's what Paul said in the first verse of Romans, Romans 1.1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. In order for us to get through to God, we have to separate ourselves from the world in order for us to separate ourselves to God, which is all tied up in three words that the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6.6, Matthew 6.6. But thou... When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. Should be enough, right? No. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. Thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Why do you say shut thy door? Because that's separation. Isaiah 26.20. Isaiah 26.20. is an invitation. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, till the indignation be overpassed. Well, you know, Nathaniel 
was under a fig tree. It says in John 1.48, Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. What was Nathaniel doing? What was Daniel, Nathaniel, what was Nathaniel doing under the fig tree? Meeting with God. What was Peter doing on the roof? Acts 10.9. On the morrow, as they went out on their journey, drew nigh to the city. Peter went up upon the housetop to pray. He was meeting with God. What did God call Noah to do? Genesis 7.1. Genesis 7.1. The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Genesis 7.16. 7.16. And they went in, both male and female, of all flesh, as God commanded them, and the Lord shut them in. Shut the door. There now. There now. There you are. You're where I want you. I'll shut you in. And the Lord shuts us in through illness, through hard times, through inabilities, limitations, because he's inviting us. He's inviting us. And David said in Psalm 32, 7, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Psalm 119, 114, thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Psalm 91, 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. It's Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. And Ezekiel 11.16, therefore, say, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, although I have cast thee off, cast them off from among the heathen, although I have scattered them among the countries, yet I will be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Shut them in. This is what he's, his invitation the Jewish people in Matthew 23, 37. Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hand gathereth her chickens under her wings? You would not. How does a hand gather chickens under his wing? She encloses those chickens. And we want to run to be alone with him. And that's where we pray prayers like Psalm 17, 18, Psalm 17, 8. Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Psalm 27, 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. This is the greatest opportunity we have in life. We should be known as those that are hid in the Lord. That's the great secret. Everybody looked at Jacob and said he's left alone. The secret was he wasn't alone. Psalm 31.20, Thou shalt hide me in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep me secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. It's the reason we run to the Lord. We run to the Lord. Psalm 143.9, Psalm 143.9, Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Psalm 57.1, David, when he fled from Saul and he was in the cave there, he was saying, this cave is symbolic. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. That's our goal. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord. Help us to trust in you. Help us to depend in you. Help us to run to you and to hide in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.